Shame of Thrones, uh, your weekly recap for HBO's Twincess Baby, a Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug, with me as always is Brian, and we're here to talk about episode 7, The Broken Man. Yes, and I would like to point out that the longer that we do this, the stronger these introductions become. Oh, uh, really? I, I mean, I think you're being sarcastic. Very perceptive. Yeah, well, that's that's why we're here. All right, so uh, what did you think about this episode? Initial reactions, uh, gut feeling. What did you, how did you feel overall? You know, I didn't have very high expectations coming into it for the reasons we discussed last week in that the preview looked like the preview for a weaker episode. And there definitely were some low lights, but there are also some highlights. And overall, uh, I enjoyed this episode, and I do think it did. One of the things it accomplished is even the things that weren't that excited pushed us towards this precipice of violence that appears to be coming. And as you know, Doug, episodes eight and nine typically of, of the seasons are the stronger ones, or at least the more uh, action-oriented episodes. Right, so, the big set pieces, you know, the yes, we hard home, the reigns of Castamere. Yeah, it's uh, like we've been, of, we've been edging the entire time, but now we're fitting to explode. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed the episode, and it was very well acted. I mean, you throw Ian McShane into anything, uh, you know, it's going to be good. So I, I, I enjoyed this episode. I did too. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was a real corker there and I hate saying that word, but you got me doing it. Uh, until the end, I feel like the last two scenes really fumbled the, the, the ball at the, you know, one yard line in my opinion, but overall it wasn't enough bad to, to counteract how great the episode was. Not great. I thought that was really enjoyable. I really enjoyed it. And there was a moment and I'll, uh, I'll mention where I felt. I was like, oh man, I feel like this momentum. I feel like the show is building towards something and it's not like a nebulous something where I can't put a finger on it. It's heading to conflicts, a bunch of conflicts. I can see where this is going and I'm excited to get there. Um, so it, it brought that emotion out of me. So I'll call it a success. We'll get to ratings at the end, but uh, uh, let us know how this starts off. So we started, actually, it was interesting. They they started with the cold open of, uh, in which they ordinarily don't do this. So they've yeah, have, have they done ever done that so, before? Yes, they have. I mean, okay. I know the first episode definitely, uh, they started with uh, whoever the hell wa- ranging out beyond the wall and the wildlings attacking. Yeah, it was a they, uh, Royce. You know? Yes, yes. And they did it in a few other episodes. I don't remember offhand, but I know they have. It was still kind of jarring, though. It was. And uh, Yeah, yeah. And so, it, um, in fact, my wife and I kind of looked at each other. Yeah. And weren't sure exactly what was going on. I had the same so it, feeling. It begins in like uh, it's a, a bunch of people in a field erecting a structure. Uh, it's a church. You realize that it's the um, it's the people who follow the the seven. What the hell is the what's the name of that religion? The seven. Uh, the seven. Yeah. Yes. Which, as we know, that's uh, the who the high sparrow is represents, and um, it ends up uh, looking like it looks like a Renfair Jonestown more or less. A bunch of hippies. Building it pretty uh, much is. It, it absolutely yeah, is yeah. hippie town, which I will refer yes. to it going forward. Sure. And so then we see uh, Al Swearingen, of course, from uh, Deadwood. Um, I think his name in the show in the show is Brother Ray, which I don't remember a brother Ray from the books. Uh, I don't remember the guy who he's supposed to be portraying, but there was a guy yeah. who was basically the, the head of a little uh, sept where the hound right. was presumably who we assumed was the hound, but it doesn't come out in the books. It comes out here. But I want to yes. point out, it makes a lot more sense that there was a, a fucking promo that included Deadwood at the beginning of the episode. Um, <laughs> did you see that? 
Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, why the fuck are they uh, promoting old shit? But I was like, oh, okay, because of this guy. So, um, well, yeah. And he was, did you watch Deadwood? I mean, he was incredible. I loved it. I mean, I love yeah. Deadwood. I liked Rome a lot. I thought Deadwood's Wood was better. Uh, but you know, it was one of these HBO shows, which luckily it hasn't fallen. This happened to this show, but it was one of those shows that got too big, too expensive, and then you know, it just kind of fell apart. People started leaving. Yes. Uh, but it's a great show. If you haven't seen Deadwood, uh, stop what you're doing after listening to this podcast and go watch yes. it. Which, you know, and he also, uh, Ian McShane wrote uh, during prior to the season starting, he disclosed that the Hound was going to be back, I think is what he did. I, I remember he disclosed people, that he's bringing a character that people yes. presumed dead or thought was gone back. So, I mean, you, your short list is Stannis, who they keep mentioning that he's dead and they did it again this episode. So, that's probably yeah, not the he, case. When people called him out on it, he referred to the show as just as tits and dragons. That's awesome. Which, yeah, yeah, but he was kind of like, don't go spoiling stuff. Like, people give a shit about this, you know, and it's not like him referring to it as tits and dragons. Well, he's been in a bunch of shit. It's, he's been in, he was in Hot Rod and Death Race in America. <laughs> right, I remember stuff. Death Race. It's awful. like he's in high art all the time or something. I've, anyways, I've, I've gone on, the, no, let's, let's stay on this for a second. But yeah, yeah Cersei, the actress who plays her, like, She's famous for belittling the fans and and thinking it's some kind of joke, but really this is the greatest thing she's ever done. Like she was the bad guy in uh, the new Judge Dredd movie, which was decent, but you know she's not going to be remembered for that shit. She's not going to be remembered for anything else but this. And she has like a certain level of contempt, and I'm just I don't know what's going on with these people. Live. Like Nick, you can go on and think that you know your art is sacred, and you know you've done a better performance in a hall with. 50 other people, but nobody gives a shit. You won't be remembered for that. This is your legacy. Uh, so you should treat it with a little more respect. Now, this guy, he was only in for one episode, which, spoiler alert, we'll get to it, by the way, spoilers for everything. Uh, I thought it was a waste that he, they killed him off so quick. I would have liked two yeah. episodes to to stretch this plot out. but that's Well, they're me. out of time because they fold a bunch of shit with Danny and Dorn. But, right. so, uh, so to the scene, we see uh, a number of peasants carrying logs. It takes four of them to carry a log at a time. We see old Limpy carrying a log by himself. Yeah, and that limp was pretty pronounced. So yes, it, but of course you realized almost immediately that it was the hound. Of course, and then it cuts his face, obviously. So then we go to the cold open. No, we go from the cold open to oh, the not credits. the cold. Yes, 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 yes. So the credits, and then it's back to the hand chopping wood or the hound chopping wood. Well, and, real quick, uh, I want to interject. During the credits, I normally don't care for the credits, and I fast forward them and I watch them for whatever reason. And they showed Marine this in the set pieces and we didn't go to marine at all so this is just me thinking they had to pad out the time for the credits right only explanation uh, I, for that i i don't know i don't i'm not but sure we did not go to marine at all in this episode right no we did not okay great do what they normally going? only show the yeah the like six? they showed river run for the first time uh this week i believe in a oh. long time so I don't you, know that I've ever paid attention to yeah that. yeah i mean this is a thing that uh somebody pointed out in the first season and then since then i I find it tedious to watch the uh, opening credit scene, so I fast forward it. But yeah, if there's a new place, or if we're going to visit that place, they'll put it on the opening uh, cinematic credits. So, Interesting. Yeah. So uh, we go back to the hound, and he's uh, chopping wood, and uh, Swearingen walks up and has, uh, says, "I says notice notices how well the hound or how hard the hound is chopping wood, and." Um, you know, we still. I, I thought it was a good illustration because of of how the hound still uh, is hates. I mean, you can just tell he's just angry at the wood. You know, 
Right, and I yeah. and I got to that. I was like, it seems like I guess he's here working with these people because he found some semblance of peace, but it be, it must be really rocky, uh, yeah, because of the the way he's chopping wood and the and then what he says in this conversation with yeah. Uh, so then it goes to the conversation between Swearingen and uh, and the Hound, and they kind of discuss the Hound's uh, origin story for why he's here. Yeah, the info and, dump for what we missed. Yes, yeah, more or less. Uh, Swearingen found him; he was almost dead. They nursed him back to health. Swearingen asked him what kept you going, and he says hate, which was, was <laughs> yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty. And then great. he asked him why are you still alive? And he's uh, Howland had a great line because I'm a big fucker and I'm tough to kill. Right. Um, but I mean, I think that you look at that, you can just tell that. I mean, everything shows him being violent or talking about violence. I, I thought almost immediately, uh, you could tell he hadn't embraced peace yet. Right, you know? and that and that's why I thought this this goes to why this the episode got brought down for me was the handling of this. Like I liked Swearingen, I liked uh, the character he was playing. I loved the Hound for Christ's sake. I just think that this was a little mishandled. They should have shown him like being like accepting some kind of peace, like, like maybe like having, in a drum circle in the middle of the field. Yeah, no, just like maybe one of the other guys handling wood say, "Hey, stop carrying the wood so good. You're making us all look bad, you piece of shit." And him going, oh, okay. You know, just being cowed or kind of like not wanting to escalate or avoiding conflict. Because what the fuck is he doing there besides just getting nursed back to help uh, to health? He seems to have like... Do. No, because it seems like he's throwing in. He's being somewhat helpful. I don't think he's doing it just... Like, he's got a limp, but he seems to be back to 100% in my eyes. Or, or as much as 100% as he's going to get into. If he had a bone sticking out of his leg and you got medieval uh, medical attention... I don't think you're going to be 100% regardless, but uh, it didn't seem like he was just hanging out because of some obligation or he can't move on. I feel like this is like his life now because he doesn't have anything else to do or he definitely wants to find some kind of peace. Uh, but they just I, didn't I show dis- that. I, I disagree with that because I didn't didn't seem like he ever bought in. He was questioning everything the entire time. And again, every conversation that he was involved in or every action. So he why was the in, fuck is he there? Why was he in, why was he there so long? He's probably getting back to his health, and if you remember his journey through the first several seasons, he's got nowhere to go at this point. Yeah, he's got nothing to do, nowhere to go, but I would think he'd, yeah. you know, as soon as he can manage to walk, he'd, you know, steal some shit and, you know, steal a These horse from the next person. don't have anything. They've got food and they've got steel, even though they don't say they got steel. And they got women. Yes. <laughs> That's what he brings up later, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. So uh, the Swearingen and the Hound discuss their past a little, or at least the Hound's past a little bit about why is you know if there's a god, what he's got a plan for you, etc. And that scene kind of ends there. Yeah, um, but he says there was a nice line where he says, "If the gods are real, they would have punished me." And Swearingen says they did, alluding yeah. to I guess his guilt or inner conflict or whatever he's going on internally because you know obviously he's. I mean, and he's not referring to his leg getting all fucked up, so. Yeah, it, the, the thing is, if that wasn't delivered by Ian McShane, like a lot of these lines, if they were, if I it was agree, the High yeah. Sparrow delivering these, I would have been annoyed as shit. Um, so that's why I didn't take a whole lot of notes, because it was the same, a lot of the same themes of you have a purpose, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but you're right. It shows it shows what a good actor can do with yeah. the shittiest of material, just like Lady Crane in last episode. Yes. So, uh, so from there... We go to church jail, which has now been transformed into Sunday school. And Large Marge is uh, reading the seven-pointed star, whatever the book is. 
and she's being the ideal uh, Bible student and the head honcho, uh, the shoeless wonder, whatever he's called, uh, comes in and chats her up and talk about what it means to be devoted, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she comes out that she isn't having sex with Tom anymore since she got out. And <laughs> this guy has the nerve to say, well, you need to do it. It's your obligation. Why aren't you doing it? She says, I haven't felt the desires that I had before I was cleansed. And he's like, well, desire is not required <laughs> to have sex. Only, only patience. Only patience. Yes. That's an awful thing to say. And before you laugh too much, this was actually part of my wedding vows as well. <laughs> so I don't care for that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I think I think she's doing it. Um, uh, Marjorie, whoever plays her. Natalie Dorner, Dormer. Yeah. She's doing an incredible job because, like, I mean, I, I was on to her last week where I thought she was faking it. Right. And it's and, confirmed that she is. So, yeah. And, and I thought in her interactions with the High Sparrow, she's doing just enough to let the audience know that she's faking it. Right. Uh, and I, I think in the reality of the show, he is buying it. Yeah. Um, I, I think in the reality of the show that the Septum, Septa, the Unella, the one that escorts her later, yes. is buying it. Or at least enough that she's like, well, you know, what can we do now? She's like, uh, she's on board. And it, we'll get to it later, but I question, like, has beating somebody and torturing them ever successfully converted them to uh, zealotry? I, I don't know, but uh, they seem to be, that seems to be what they want, and Marjorie's giving them what they want, so of course they're going to believe it. Um, So... You know, she's talking about he, the the guys telling her to just lie back and starfish and let Tom do his thing. Uh, when <laughs> pretty much where when um the guy what's his name the high Se- high sparrow high sparrow okay so mm-hmm. the high sparrow then says you know well hopefully your grandma gets on board and she's like what what do you mean my grandma so he threatens her grandma uh by saying you know she needs to be cleansed or or if she doesn't come to the light. She he fears for her bodily and spiritual health or well being something like that. Yeah, he says I fear for her body and soul, and he also calls right. her an unrepentant sinner. Right. So he's basically threatening violence against uh, her grandmother. So we cut to Marge meeting with her grandmother, and uh, you know the grandma. Uh, what's her face? Uh, what's her God? What's her name? Lady Olena. Lady Olena is fucking awesome in everything she does, and she's amazing in the second scene with Cersei. But uh, she keeps threatening to bash the Big Brother Septa. Yeah, she's like, you know, saying, "Does it talk? Does it move? I want to talk to you alone." Septa Unella was actually looking pretty good in that tight little thing. Um, <laughs> Still think she looks like Fred Armisen. Kind of, but uh, but she, you know, she's got it where it counts. Sounds like. Um, but anyway, anyway, so Marge is talking to her grandma, and her grandma's not getting the hint that, uh, you know, you need to leave and go back to High Garden. She's like, no, I need to stay here. And she's like, listen, you really need to leave. And passes yeah. her a note. They discuss Loris. Loris is still oh, trapped yeah. in church jail. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Marjorie suggests that he returns to High Garden. They'll allow him to renounce his title, and he can bounce back. But Elena insists that Loris is the future of the Tyrells. Um, so I guess I guess that tells us that Loris is still in church jail for now. Yeah, which is crazy. So hopefully, yeah. Well, she passes the note, and mm-hmm. and um, God, I can't remember her name once again. Olena. 
Lady Olena leaves and checks the note out, and it's a picture of a flower, which is the insignia of House Tyrell, which I took to mean that this is my this is where my true alliance lies. I've got a plan. Everything will be all right. No question. Okay, great. Yes, absolutely. And and by uh, Marjorie, you know, she was making eyes at Olena while she was speaking to her, trying to communicate, you know, without the big brother Septa behind her, knowing that she was imparting to Lady Olena just how dangerous it was uh, and how she needed to get the hell out of there. And you, you could, if you watch closely at Marjorie's face, I mean, her face, you know, the meant to convey her emotion shifted back and forth a bunch during that scene because yeah. it went from, you know, posing for the Septa to trying to communicate visually with Olena to her actually being scared for a minute to, I mean, just kept shifting beyond uh, between these different states, and it, I thought that was a really incredible performance. Yeah, and she did a good job when she went to embrace her um, her aunt uh, or grandma, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, she Olena says, "I'll see you soon, dear," and sh- sh- Marjorie hugs her, and she has this pained look in her eye. And I don't know if the pain look is like she doesn't think she'll ever see her again, or. Um, what she's doing, she feels bad lying to her. I, I don't know what that pain look was about. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, and I I thought that was her being nervous about what's going to happen, right? Um, because she's so I mean she's so in deep in this thing now. Yeah. Um, you know, and now she also she's also I mean, her Lady Olena was the run one running shit for the Tyrells, and now it's up to um, Marjorie to take over. So I think she's also nervous about that. Um, to take over for the purposes of what's happening at King's Landing. So I think it was a combination of those things that she has to send away this lady. She's in the middle of the stuff, and now she's in charge. It's scary, especially when you consider how much Elena looked out for her before. I mean, she was involved in the uh, plot to murder Joffrey. I, I mean, don't understand why they don't just uh, ask Mace what to do. Because he seems like a bumbling idiot in the TV show. What are you talking if- about? <laughs> he looked like a damn peacock last time. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I want yeah, him in every yeah. episode. There's a funny meme going around where uh, it's a picture of Lady Olena saying, "I I love all my children equally," and then uh, with a another picture that says, "Later in the day, I don't care for that mace." Which uh, any Arrested Development fan knows that line very very well. Because, it's pretty great. Uh, so then we go to the Wildling camp, and there's a meeting between Jon Snow. He's attempting to convince everyone to join him in the Bastard Bowl. Um, he's, uh, he's, or at least the Wildlings, you know, just yes, yeah, so it's the Wildlings, and um, you know, it's it was striking to me that when they mentioned there's only two thousand, I guess two thousand warriors left at this point in the Wildlings, the number of Wildlings that they were there before Hardhome. I mean, weren't there supposed to be hundreds of thousands, or at least a hundred thousand Wildlings? Strong? There was a hundred thousand when they attacked the Wall. Uh, then mm-hmm. Stannis, uh, you know, came in and wrecked shit. Yeah, and I I don't know if all of the wildlings went to Hardhome. Uh, in the books, a significant number did. The rest right. of them just scattered to the wind. Um, well, in the in the show though, because Hardhome doesn't occur in the books, so in the show it looks like well, Hardhome occurs in the books. It just occurs off off camera. So, but it's not. I don't think it's as apocalyptic as. Hardhome wasn't this because the implication to me right. was anyone at Hardhome that wasn't on one of those boats was done. Right, because uh, this, the wall that made it uh, south in the books was the wildlings that got taken captive during the Stannis um, uh, route that happened. Right. So, right. 
So we didn't. We don't even. We don't get to hear if anybody survived uh, hard home in the books. Regardless, gotcha. there's so, there's not that many some, wildlings left. At least fighting no, wildlings. No. So there's some speeches, some back and forth. Um, after uh, Davos does this thing, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Tormund Giants Bane does this thing, and eventually one one and the redheaded guy who kind of looked like a chicken uh, agreed to join in the uh, fight. And it wasn't a whole lot to that scene. No, nope, not a whole lot. Repeat speeches. Yeah. Nope. Uh, I, would, I did want to point out he died for us, and I was like, "Ooh, that sounds like Jesus talk." Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he came back. It's, you're going to get these comparisons. Uh, yeah, but you know, it wasn't that hard of a speech because you know he basically convinces them, saying, "Listen, you either help me fight these guys now, or they fucking hate you. So if they, if I lose, they're definitely going to come and kill you or drive you back across the wall." So absolutely, absolutely makes all and the if- sense in the world. And if they don't, if the Bolton doesn't get them or the rest of the Northmen, then the uh, White Walkers eventually will. Right. Assuming that the, you know, the wall uh, doesn't keep them safe, which there's no way the wall is going to keep no. keep the White Walkers out. Eventually, they're going to get past it. So no question. OK. And then uh, now we go to King's Landing and we get uh, the Cersei and the Queen of Thorns chat. Uh, and this is just this. This is one of my favorite scenes of the episode. Uh, just seriously getting dressed down by Olena. Um, yeah, because I know you've expressed that you would like Cersei a number of times during the series. I, I just never really no, cared no, for No, no, it wasn't that I liked Cersei. I just thought mm-hmm. she was a compelling character, and I was hoping that this season, after her walk of shame, she would reach a new level of evil vindictiveness that I wanted to see. Yeah. She's a character that I want, I, you know, you love to hate. Um, and she just really hasn't panned out. She's been uh, just as impotent as Jamie has been this whole yeah. series or season rather. So, uh, but it was nice just seeing her get dressed down, just because Olena is so great. Um, yes, I have the highlights uh, uh, in a couple of quotes. I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> that was towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she dressed. The rest of them was just like leading up towards this point. Because yeah, Cersei's, like Cersei's trying to convince her, we need to take these motherfuckers down together. And Olena's like, I remember when you smirked while my granddaughter and grandson uh, got dragged away in chains to be put in church jail. Yeah, um, well, meanwhile, she murdered Cersei's kid. <laughs> well, Cersei doesn't know that. She, yeah, thinks okay. that. she thinks that Tyrion did it. So Fair enough. And so does the rest of the world, according to that play that they attend in yeah. uh, Bravo. So she's she's not feeling too bad about that. Uh, but yeah, she calls the High Sparrow the shoeless zealot. Yes. Um, and then the last line is, you lost, Cersei. It's the only joy I can find in all this misery. Yes, it was great. Yeah, it had the line, although we saw in the preview last week, our house's face collapsed because of your stupidity. Right, I left that um, one off the list because we saw it coming, but it was, yeah. that was good too. Uh, but in the, the, I like the response to that, where Cersei admits that she made mistakes. Um after that line. Right, because I think Cersei thinks she's um I don't know, uh a cold blooded killer and she's above criticism. She's just like, well, yeah. if she criticizes me, I'll just blow it off. But I don't think she could blow this off. She just gets shat upon. And then they cut oh, away yeah. and I, I thought, wow, I would have loved to seen the awkward walk out of the room. That yeah. would have been great. So I'm just gonna go. Yeah. Uh, great to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and, and also, I think, uh, I don't know that Cersei necessarily realized her position 
in this world until the Queen of Thorns gave her the rundown. Uh, do you think you got she no had support? A, do you your think your brother's she, gone? Yeah. Your family's. We all uh, know that to be true, gone. but do you think this is the first time she's having that realization? Possibly. Uh, based on the way, I mean, I, I don't know if she realized the gravity of it because her face kind of fell away once you listed uh, went through this thing. People despise you, surrounded by thousands of enemies. You, yeah, and then that led to the "you've lost" line. I, I don't know that she realized exactly how bad it was because you did see her face react to that. And generally, she doesn't when she's facing other people, she doesn't have many chinks in the armor. I don't know if she realized how bad it was. I don't until uh, Lady Olena went through the rundown of everything. Um, because listen, she still is back in the palace. She probably still thinks she has a handle on Tommen, at least. Well, she doesn't. Least, I mean, she could. Well, I know, I, but she could have. She, she just lost yeah. that battle. Sounds like. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just it's it's disappointing. Like I said, I wanted her to be a good bad guy. She was a good bad guy. Now she's an impotent bad guy, and I I'm I don't enjoy the character as much. She just kind of whines. Um, well, see, th- this is where I wonder where this character is going. I'm wondering if she is the one that's going to, you know, in the uh, flashbacks from Bran, or the at least the images that he set that he saw, there was a lot of uh, unaccounted for wildfire. Now it could have been part of the Mad King trying to burn everyone, but I wonder if it, if Cersei's going to get a hold of Wirefire and uh, create some kind of apocalypse, and then Jamie's going to have to kill her. It could be. It could be because, I mean, she's definitely crazy, number one. Number two, in the books, she burns down the Tower of the Hand after yes. her father is murdered by her brother. So mm-hmm. she just, you know, there's just been too much trouble from the hands of the king, so she's just getting rid of the office, and she burns down the Tower of the Hand with wildfire and she like it's from her perspective and she's really getting into it which leads some people to think that she's a targaryen because she's so into the fire and destruction i think that's a little far-fetched i think Tyrion is probably the uh targaryen in that that family but but regardless it it's possible she sets king landing on fire i was really hoping that we cut away now and then next week we find out that she had robert strong or you know frank and gregor kill Olena and everybody else in that room. I would love that to be the case. I don't think it's going to happen, but No, still. because even though she thinks she's the, the king of the queen of the world, um, there still would be some huge ramifications if she killed off the matriarch of their basically largest uh, ally at this point. I mean, the Lannisters need the Tyrells, I think, more than the Tyrells need the Lannisters. For sure, so but she- at the same time, like I feel like Cersei's unstable. Uh, she's already yes. ineffective. She's been ineffective all season. So, I feel I hope she's in, I hope she's just irrational and insane. It it would just make for great TV. Um, I don't think she's that stupid, but yeah, I, 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 she's pretty dumb. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, so oh, uh, I'll take this because I was just impressed. So we cut to you know uh, a hillside in the country with a couple of Lannister guards or Lannister guys on. Uh, Horses running around, and you see this wide sweeping view of River Run, and it just pans left, and you get this beautiful shot of the countryside leading to this endless march of Lannister, um, you know, guys on horses, on foot with poles and pikes. Uh, this just was gorgeous. I couldn't get over how, I don't know, how awesome it, it was. It, yeah, it was, it was a incredible shot that I wonder why they couldn't. Do something similar for the end of Danny's ep- or the end of the episode last week with Danny, right? Which looks like she only had twenty good Kalasars. Yeah, well, you know, you know how well they know that land. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's it's just baffling to me where they choose to spend their CGI uh, budget. Like, cause I feel if they would just put a little bit of this effort and time into Dorn or uh, you know even the Iron Islands, it would be I don't know more substantial. But this looked like movie quality, you know, uh, amazing effects. I, I was just really impressed. Yes. Um, yeah, as opposed to the King's Moot, which looked like a. <laughs> Like twenty oh, dudes hanging out. Play. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and uh, best part about this scene, Bron's back. Guess who's back? Yes. Back again. Uh, so Bron's back and he's hanging out with Jamie and they're talking about how shitty the siege looks. And Jamie's like, "Well, somebody's got to show him how to do it." And Bron's realizing that, oh fuck, these guys are never gonna let me go. Uh, the Lannisters. You know, they promised me I'd get this, this, and that. And Jamie's like, "You know, I will." And he's like, "Save it." Don't say the well, he words. did have the uh, royal wife or a, a, a wife that remember the um, right before he I think it was right before, right before he, he went to Dorne. Yeah, and then he found that good pussy or the bad pussy. <laughs> bad pussy. And, yeah, so now I guess he's not with that fat lady anymore. Uh, I guess uh, you know I like him in the book so or in the show so any excuse to bring him back, but in the books like. He's just a terror. He names his son. He has a kid with that lady. He names it Tyrion. And the queen is just <laughs> pissed off at that. And they send some guys to deal with him and he just wrecks them. So yeah. he's basically con- conducting a mini rebellion on his own um, in his castle that they gave him. But, you know, whatever. He's he's better on TV to be, uh, you know, with Jamie. Like, what is he going to have? Jamie by himself? That's not fun. No, he is the he's the mayor of Sassy Town in this episode. <laughs> He's King Sassy Pants. Yes. Um, so. All right. So, uh, you know, they're drawing away. Um, uh, well, House McFoyle's siege is a mess. Well, before we get to that, I want to write, because Bronn seems taken aback that Jamie wants him to do all this stuff. And he's like, no, no way. I fulfilled my obligation. This should have been a conversation that you should have had before you left King's Landing, I would think, if you're Bronn, <laughs> right? You know? Yes, yes. Um, but yes, but then the uh, the phrase are there, and they suck at uh, bluffing. They, you'd want to play poker against these guys because they they are just awful. They're threatening to, to hang Edmure and then threaten to cut yeah. his throat. Uh, the Blackfish is like, go ahead and do it, and walks away. Of course they don't do it because it's the only card they have, and they don't know what they would do. They don't have a plan for what to do. Alternatively, um, and Jamie sees this and he observes the whole thing, comes over and he lays down the law. Uh, he says, um, you know, you let 8,000 guys just approach you, no big deal. And then Braun has the line, good thing we were your friends or we'd be fucking you in the ass by now. Which, another classic uh, Ashamed of Thrones <laughs> moment. Um uh, yeah, and then the guy has, they have this inter- interaction that's taken right from the books where the Frey, um, Jamie's telling the Frey guy, listen, you can't just make threats without falling through with them. Like, if I made the threat, I'm going to sp- punch you in the face if you don't shut your mouth and you keep talking. And if I didn't do it, what would people think? And then he smacks him in the mouth and tells him that he's taking over the control of the siege. Now, was that Liam or Ryan McPoyle? I got them confused. You can tell it was them because they had the sigil was a glass of milk on their armor. Jesus, you you went but you went back and, and learned the names of the McPoyle twins. 
You don't know Liam McPoyle? I oh, don't know on. their first names. Anyway, so the, the phrase, though, those goddamn hats. Those hats are ridiculous. I understand yes. you got to make every... They, they do a good job of making everybody distinctive. Like, you know the Lannisters by their weird faceplate that opens up at the eyes. You know that the um, the phrase used to have a... Or not the phrase, the Starks used to have this high helm thing. Um, so they do a good job of making the... like <laughs> the Tyrells the, are peacocks. <laughs> right. And the phrase where, like... Um, Leather hats, I guess. I don't know. Look like a medieval yarmulke kind of thing. Yeah, now, I, I, it, I think those were like traditional garb from the medieval times. Uh, perhaps, uh, whatever. They're yeah. repurposing them here, so it, it doesn't matter. They're doing it it's arbitrarily. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the end of this scene. I don't know if you have anything else to say. Yeah, uh, seeing the blackfish again, it, it reminded me uh, a little bit more of his role earlier, in, in, as far as Edmure. Um, I, it was reminded me that uh, after. Um, after Rob re- went and married the uh, whatever that lady's name was, they Edmure didn't want to marry one of the Freys, and uh, I guess Edmure had gone off freelancing and taken some stone mail or something like that, and so uh, the Blackfish was actually the one that yelled at him, "No, you're going to have to marry one of the Freys." Right. Uh, he, he's yeah. <clears throat> he's more of a dickhead on the show. I feel like just yeah. like an unyielding uh, asshole, where he's quite lovable in the book. Yeah. So, and that scene ends with Jamie saying that he wants to parlay with the Blackfish. So, so then we go to Bear Island. Uh, John, Sansa, Davos are on their uh, their college recruiting trip, um, trying to uh, rally the houses around them. And you know the uh, what's, what was the girl's name? Leanna Stark or uh, Leanna Mormont? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Leanna Mormont. Yeah, she's. Uh, I love that character. She was great. Yeah, she's young uh, and sassy. Yeah, and you know it's funny when there's a super sassy kid, it's either uh, the worst thing ever or the greatest thing ever. Right, it's hard to and to make that. There's happen. no middle ground. Yeah, right. and I thought she was terrific. So, and she was such a uh, stark. Uh, pardon the, pardon the pun there. She's a stark contrast to Tom, <laughs> who's a complete bitch. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, anyways, um, or the idiot titsucker who's yes, the head of yes, his house yes. at a young age well, as well. Yeah, but he's a, he's a, he's a super creep, though. Um, <laughs> so at least he's well-developed in one area. So uh, uh, John and Sansa are trying to uh, just to describe their relationship to the Mormons, how they're important. And <laughs> Leanne just cuts in with the, I've had enough of the small talk. Yeah. And so, uh, and actually they referenced a letter that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Right. Uh, maybe last episode. And, and uh, so... After some of the back back and forth, uh, Leanna says, "There's no Starks here. I see a snow and a Bolton or a Lannister." Well, I've had <laughs> yeah. conflicting reports about whether it's a Bolton or a Lannister, and, and so I, then, I uh, like that because I, I'm yes. constantly referring to Sansa as Santa, Sansa Lannister because even though she didn't constipate that marriage, which she didn't constipate it, consta, consta, constipate, consummate, continuum, con, construct. Anyway, she didn't fuck Tyrion, so I guess you can say that that's not a permanent marriage, but she definitely uh, got taken advantage of by Bolton, so that's consummated. But regardless, what? <laughs> no, it was probably fake. No, it probably didn't happen. No, probably. It was probably so like then, over, the, uh, over the panties kind of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> then the Flavor Flav Davos steps in. Yeah, Coach Davos delivers yeah, one of his like explains the uh, living versus the dead and oh no, uh, but he first starts off by saying like he understands her how he ne- you know he'd yeah. been a piece of shit as well 
But used she to be was... a barnacle, and now he's in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a little, uh, used to be a significant yeah. barnacle. It used to be an anemone. Um, uh. Yeah, so, and uh, he explained, yeah, he gives, he's really good with kids, if you remember uh, Shireen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what an so, asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's lucky he's not driving a white van around Westeros. <laughs> Maybe she'll get burned alive, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> getting this, getting this uh, little boat that says "free candy" on the side. Right. I thought um, she. I thought they should have left out the whole "we need to fight the dead" thing. I feel like that's something you could spring on them later. Um, you know, because that's quite a gamble. You know, she yeah, believed you I, because she's fucking twelve. Yes. You know, a grown person's not going to believe you when you say the dead come back unless they have other, you know, credible reports from their own people. Why would they yes. believe that that fucking nonsense? It's all magic uh, yeah. and legends, even I to them. Look- Absolutely, but I guess of course the kid would be the one that would believe it. Right. And it was funny when um, when the the she had the advisors would reach into her, her ear, and then at one point she just put her hand up and stopped one of them from talking. In the hand. It made me laugh. Yeah, pretty good. So uh, after uh, Coach Davos explains it's the fight versus living versus the dead, she agrees to give them sixty two good men. Yeah, and I thought that's better than twenty. Yeah, that's like three point one times. Um, so. What I wasn't clear about, and I don't think it was explained in the show, is she said uh, something along the lines of the House Mormont is not a large house, but it's a proud house or something right. like that. So I was curious as to whether she was actually pledging a significant portion of their army or whether she was just giving them a smaller portion of their See, army. See, uh, to me, I was confused by that as well, because it's yeah. either two things happen. One thing is she was being sincere and she was giving as many men as they could possibly spare. And John and Sansa and Davos had no idea how many people lived on Bear Island or how much they could spare. Which So mm-hmm. they're either dumb or or this little girl is um, giving them shit. Uh, yes. You know, giving them uh, a pittance. But um, it's weird. I... I, I sh- I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but in the scene towards the end, when they're in the uh, the later camp where the wildlings are fighting or bickering with the northerners, um, and Sansa goes and writes her letter, we see Lady Mormont for sure at that camp. So she's writing. Yeah, oh yeah, I I saw it. I had to rewind it to make sure. So oh, wow. she's she's invested. So it leads me to believe that she's being truthful. But you know why the fuck wouldn't uh, John? Davos or Sansa realize how many people they had to spare. That seems a little crazy to me, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's a house that's been pledged to the Starks forever, so you would think that... Uh, well, I guess I don't know how much John or, or, or Sansa would have been involved that's in... That's true. John's a bastard, and she's, yeah. you know, a lady, so she doesn't involve in but the still, military you matters. you think they have a clue as to the number of people who live on Bear Island? Or, right. You know, I add up. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. So then, if, but if you do the math, uh, a uh, a man from the the Bear Islands is worth ten men. All right. So that's so that's that's essentially six hundred twenty Northerners, and a good. Northerner is worth ten Southerners. Oh wow! So, Wait, I didn't even yeah. do that that calculation. So basically, they just picked up six thousand two hundred good men. Awesome. So, and then we cut, we have this rising um, horns or some kind of like uplifting music and we see Jamie galloping towards River Run, uh, the castle. And this is the moment of the episode where I thought, okay, things are starting to come together. You know, the Jon Snow's getting some people, you know, there's not enough people, but I imagine it was going to be like a uh, replacements type situation. The Connery's like football movie or the, uh, 
you know, bad news I thought bears. You meant the band. <laughs> no, absolutely not the band. Alex Chilton was going to show up. No, but like it's just like, well, we've got we don't have a lot of people, but we got a lot of heart. Let's go. And I felt like I could feel the momentum building towards the Baster Bowl, and I I could feel the momentum of a showdown going between uh, Jamie and the Blackfish, and I was like. This feels great. So this was the high point for the episode for me. It's like this is where I was like bought in completely. So we're- you know what? You know what? I wanted to point out one thing before yeah, you go into this. I don't normally give a shit what these people wear, but I did think that the armor in this scene was actually really cool looking. Um, between mean- Jamie's, like uh, Jamie's, looks like he is, you know, like a. It's like he had a car that was made out of chrome or something crazy. <laughs> he looked you know? like a transformer. He did. Yeah, exactly. And then the blackfish <laughs> and all the rest of the tollies. Their armor actually looked like scales. Like yeah, scales on a fish. I noticed that too, yeah, and I was like, "What?" Like mer- the army of mermen. So that, I thought that it was it was really cool. It was really interesting. So now I want like every single other group of people to have like uh, like I want the Iron Island people to have armor made out of iron or the uh, or a bunch of the, like suction cups like squids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like crack krakens. Yeah, yeah that'd be yeah, good. I want the uh, the all the people from Bear Islands to just have bear armor. Yeah, that'd be cool. A little like uh, claws yeah. on the end of their uh, something. Yeah. I don't know. Bitch, better have my honey. <laughs> All right, so so Jamie's rolling up on the blackfish. They lower the draw bid bridge, and basically this whole uh, situation, this conversation goes down, and what it means in the end is blackfish saying, "Get off my land." Pretty yeah. much it. So the blackfish is still a dick and doesn't want to parley. Throws to the fact that uh, Jamie didn't bring back uh, Sansa or Arya. Jamie isn't going to resume his captivity in River Run, which is where he got let go of by Catelyn Stark in the first or second season. I don't remember. Um, and and the, their back and forth is pretty great. And a lot of these lines are lifted right from the book. Um, yes. Which is why it's so good. Uh, but you have this interaction with, um, you know, hundreds of your men will die. Thousands of yours will die. And it's just like... Um, well, if you weren't going to yield or parlay, why the hell did you come down here? It's just like, because I was bored, essentially. I wanted to get a measure of you. Yeah. What did you think? I was disappointed. Right. I mean, that's just some, like, hard shit, and it was, it, like I said, all of these lines, or most of these great lines were lifted right from the book. Um, mm-hmm. So, it was a great scene. I felt it It really hit, and the detail is crazy. Like, the drawbridge looks real, the, the castle looks real. It might not be, but, uh, you know, the they look like they carved leaping fish into the poles the the handrails of that drawbridge mm-hmm. so i don't know it just seemed like it seemed like real medieval stuff and it was all like cloudy and uh foggy and it just looked it looked legit i, I yeah it looked great I, I can't get over how awesome river run looked but um not much happens in the scene besides there's gonna be no peaceful resolution at least brokered by jamie uh and the blackfish um to not for siege. now yes. at least for now yeah mm-hmm. Yes. So then we go back to the recruiting tour. Now the uh, Davos, Jamie, or not Davos, uh, Sansa, and John are speaking to House Glover. And apparently the Boltons helped House Glover get their castle black from the Greyjoys. Yeah, news to me. Uh, they should have yeah. mentioned that, I think, a little bit. Like, right. I didn't think they were fulfilling their obligation. I just thought they were squatters as far as, like, lords of the north. But if they're actually fulfilling their duty as wardens of the north and, and like putting things to right, uh, that'll make things a lot more difficult um, as far as, like, you know, expecting everybody to hate them and turn on them. You're going to have people like the Glovers. I'm guessing, though, that the Glovers are the outlier. I'm guessing. Probably, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just yeah, we just don't know. 
because we, yes. didn't, we didn't know that they helped them out uh, in the past. They could be helping out other people. We just don't know. So I think the House Glover, he basically breaks down what they're so far, what they've been able to accomplish, uh, John and Sansa, in that they don't really have any momentum. They barely have any troops and they're working with wildlings. And I think the scene was designed to illustrate how, although Santa thinks that she's this great general or a leader, it's actually they're in a lot of trouble. It is also a trigger for what we eventually see and that she's going to summon a uh, little finger. Right. This is, this so, was just mm-hmm. setting up the next scene, um, yeah, which is so. all this was. And also I think that was interesting. We talked about it briefly earlier, but um, you know, you kind of forget about these inflection points during the, the course of this show and uh, bringing up Rob Stark's marrying the foreigner, uh, and how I mean, critical the, the of foreign, an inflection. The foreign who? Yes, yes. That secret marriage. Just how critical that was to the the um the the path that the show is right. And on. you could tell like John at least recognized, well, he's kinda right. Rob did bring this on himself a little bit. Yeah. You know, he did fuck it up. But I mean, you know, you can't blame him completely, but he was definitely part of the reason why the phrase betrayed him. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he was the reason right. I think. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason why you yeah. know, everything else. And it, the, the scene ends with uh well, Donald Glover saying, uh, Danny, did you say Danny dead. Glover? Danny Glover, not Donald. Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, Danny Glover says what? I'm getting <laughs> the, too old for this shit? Yes, exactly. The, uh, <laughs> uh, he ends the scene basically by saying that House Stark is dead. He went through a, I bled for them, blah, 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 uh, but now House Stark is dead. Yeah, and I would have said... But how Sard is dead, but now it rose again, and I would have lifted up, showed him the six-pack that's been shredded, literally and figuratively, yes. and said, put your fingers in my, uh, you know, the hole in my side. and in my stomach gashes. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like he should, you should bring that out as, like, a last-ditch effort to, like, win people over. And where's the red woman? Like, is she and yeah, I was Castle bring Black? That up. Why we isn't went, she there to uh, lend yeah. support? Or Well, she might scare off the northerners. True. Because most of them are, are followers of the old gods. But I was thinking maybe you get stabbed, you get her to you know fix you up real quick. No, or she does like a little pinprick, throws it in the fire, you see a little, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. a demon or whatever, and then you join. Yeah, I would think that. Yeah, just do some kind of magic. Uh, regardless, she's not there, and they don't get House Glover. Um, which, you know, obviously, you know, they were attacked by the, you know, that was, that was even brought up by Yara, a couple episodes ago and when she was talking to Balon, Balon's last scene before he died, how they just lost Deepwood Mott. So this is all, you know. Oh, so this Deepwood Mott is where the Glovers live. Right. Okay, see, I, I did not connect any of that. I, this this seemed like the first time I ever remember hearing about the Glovers. Yeah, because a lot of places, you know, like, well, not all the places. I mean, like. Uh, some of the people are from like places that mention their names. I mean, the Starks, it's not from Starkfell, it's from Winterfell, but, right. uh, you know, you kind of like guess that some of these people are like Duran's from Dorne and I don't know. He just had no uh, connection between the Glovers and Deepwood Mott. So the Glovers are definitely from Deepwood Mott and they definitely planted the seed of talking about how the Ironborn just lost the castle recently. And that was the last foothold that they had on the main land. So these people just right. recovered from being occupied by the goddamn Ironborn. So they have they have reason enough, but it still sucks for John. And you're right; it's just setting up what is going to happen in the next time we visited we visit uh, Sansa. And arguably, it also just goes to show keeps showing how 
this feudal, the, the feudalistic system that they live in, how much it screws everybody but those at the top. Right. But at the same time, the people at the top are getting murdered left and right. Yeah, like nobody so, wins. It's it's yeah. not a great system at all. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then before we move on, I, I want to point out that all this fast travel, because it seems like these guys are going all <laughs> over the place. Uh, like Jamie got to River Run in like one episode. We don't know how much time has passed. John's going this way and that goes to Barrel Island. Now he's at Deepwood Mott. Uh, I don't care. I don't care that it's yes. happening so quick because at least it's propelling the f- plot forward. You know, in a situation where we have like 10 scenes of Danny, uh, you know, not doing anything or not progressing or one one per episode and it stretches over a season, at least we're getting some goddamn momentum. Things are happening quickly and I like it. So I, I don't I don't get hung up on the fast travel too much. It's uh, part of the suspension of disbelief. Uh, I mean, if you want to nitpick at how long it takes, should have taken someone to travel from one place to the other. You probably need some help. I guess, but at the same time, it seems like now we're just. I I, I think I would have been more nitpicky. There's fucking dragons in the show. Who cares how long? Uh, it took I to know, go but I I was I would have been more nitpicky back when the show had like some uh uh I don't know semblance to the books. But now it's just crazy fantasy fan fiction. So I'm all about it. I'm like, this is whatever. I don't give a shit. This is if it helps tell the story faster and more concisely, that's great. I'm all about it. Agreed. Okay, so now we go to uh, Volantis, which we visited one time with uh, Tyrion and uh, Jorah. I think that's when uh, Jorah kidnapped Tyrion in the uh, series, the the show. Yeah, it's the same outside shot. I didn't know where this was. I mean, I just knew it was over. I, it doesn't mean it. it it's yeah. halfway to where Danny is. Essentially, that's all you need to know. It's across the narrow sea, south of Bravos. That's all you need to know. Don't need to know a lot. Uh, so I guess it's, uh, you know, Yara and Theon, or Theon's there, while the rest of the Ironborn are, um, you know, getting some strange, I guess. Uh, and uh, Yara's making out with some chick, um, you know, and she's trying to pick her brother up by giving him a pep talk and making him basically play Edward Forty Hands. Yeah, all those sweet jugs were upsetting Theon. I guess so. Uh, yeah. But she's like, okay, I'll, I'll give a little, I'll, I'll have a man-to-man moment with him because basically they masculinized Yara past the point of anything. She's just like a, you know, another bro. And uh, she's like, listen, either quit bitching about it, <laughs> slit your wrists, or quit yes. bitching about it. And I'm like, a, okay. It's a PTSD therapy drinking game. <laughs> All right. Every time, you, every time you're triggered, you drink. We know a couple people that work for the, uh, you know, uh, the veterans, the VA, uh, and I'm pretty sure this is how they handle post-traumatic stress. Yes, yes. We know. We- <laughs> Get him. Shut the fuck up. Drink that. Stop being such a baby. I hope you're listening right now, Zeke. <laughs> I, I don't think he is. No, probably not. He's but, got better things to do with his time. <laughs> but essentially, she's trying to pep him up saying, and she confirms that what we, what we thought was their only play is to get to Danny first. Uh, basically steal Euron's idea and yes. get there first, which sounds like a rock solid idea. I mean, the only other plan that um, except the problem is that they're spending nights at a goddamn whorehouse. <laughs> I guess they're presumably they're only spending one night there. They're only it's a quick stop, and they said they're not going to see land for a long time. But uh, the only thing that they don't have to bind that wasn't part of Euron's plan was they don't have a wiener to marry <laughs> Danny with. Like together <clears throat> they can't put they can't put this. They can't scissor and produce one wiener. 
Um, and I don't think they need to marry Danny to. <laughs> I don't think they need Danny to marry to uh, to be married to Danny in order to bind this uh, agreement. They no, both, they just have to fuck the tits off of her. Yeah, and he was. I was saving that for later, but yeah, yeah. The, the worst. I'm gonna fuck the tits off this one. The worst, just awful, like embarrassing. Uh, you know what the second worst, besides bad pussy, bad pussy. Yeah. I'm going to get a soundboard together. Uh, once our Patreon support, supporters get us up of a certain level, we'll get a soundboard and I'll drop little uh, things like that, like the bad pussy and fuck the tits off of this one. You'll love it. Uh, so go ahead and head over to Patreon and try to find us. Or, you know, just leave money outside. and yeah, we'll put it in an envelope. In put it on your front doorstep. We'll get it. And write a shame of thrones. So anyway, um, yeah, that's... that's Doug. That's basically it. Like, um... They're trying yeah, to get to Danny look, first. This scene was gar- I didn't like the scene. I thought it was garbage. I thought it was useless besides revealing the facts of what they're going to do next. Well, there also was at the end of the uh the the PTSD therapy drinking game, Dion appeared to like have it back. Yeah, so the therapy worked. Yep, you get real drunk, Any of you bro? idiots paying for, for for therapy? Yes, so if any of you have been genet- had your genitals mutilated, just start drinking. Yeah, we'll get it back. Drink with a some, friend that 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 tries to you know egg you into committing suicide. Have your lesbian sister that you fingered scream at you. <laughs> yeah, works every time. Yeah, so I did want to point out a couple things. First, I saw uh, somebody on Reddit had the uh, funny nickname um, Yara Greyjoy, more like Yara Gayjoy. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was funny, but but then the other thing I was thinking of. Now we have Theon on the way to talk to to meet Danny and then presumably Varys is going to be there so we're going to have the Dickless Wonder squad we are going to have so many Dickless people you've got uh all the unsullied but especially Grey Worm yes this is going to be the greatest Dickless army the world yeah. has ever seen yeah maybe this is some kind of maybe this is it maybe this is i don't know D&D or well definitely not D&D but maybe George R R Martin's like um feminist uh like utopia where like it's one woman in charge, and all the dudes are dickless. Yeah. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> that's the I mean, only that's my hope. vision for the future. I mean, yeah, it's, it's heading that way right now. It's why you got to vote Trump. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no politics. Keep your politics out of this. All thing. right, we'll keep our politics out of this. Okay, so what? where do we go next? We go to the wildland camp, and, I, and apparently they've set up where Stannis Baratheon, or not the wild, it's the Northerners that they've recruited so far, and the wildlings, and the wildlings, and Davos, John, and Sansa, and this this thing really bothered me because when they're yeah. uh, in the beginning of the scene, Sansa, Davos, and John are riding their horses into the camp, and Davos begins discussing how great this campsite is. Yeah, it- but we know it's the shittiest campsite that ever happened. And do they and- have any idea how well? Ramsey's 20 good men know this land. Cool. I, 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 I did not make any sense other than they already had this background CGI in place. I don't oh, know. And the one thing I did want to point out is they, they used, reuse the sets all the time, especially the church jail. Like they keep using the church jail set way too yes. often, but this set, like I wouldn't have known this was the same place that Stannis was. No so clue. why tell me? Uh, the only thing it does is make me think, okay, this is, this place is indefensible. <laughs> Anybody can sneak in here, set all your shit on fire, all your horses, and you know, you're screwed. 
Yeah, I mean, Stannis and his trained soldiers, one of the greatest field generals, they got they got destroyed in here. I mean, that, so what this- was the point in mentioning that this is where they were? Why couldn't they just be some random ass, uh, bland, uh, snowy spot in the north? That's I could not figure it out. And, and you know, this is one of the, th- and I, you know, George R. R. Martin, when he writes something, if, if something is mentioned, then it's important. And I think D and D tried to uh, stick that? to that as well. Yeah. But I just cannot see what the point of mentioning this is unless somehow it turns into a negative. Like, I, I don't know how you could make this campsite a positive. Well, maybe I mean, that's, maybe that's part, maybe that is the point. Let's try to give them uh, credit, which is hard to do. But let's say the whole point is this scene was to show how desperate they were, just like Stannis. You have infighting. You have the Northerners and the Wildlings getting into scuffles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have John and Sansa getting a little heated about, like, there's no time. We must press on. And that's kind of what Stannis was doing. So I think they're trying to invoke maybe in the viewer that this could be doomed if something doesn't change. I got I gotcha. Yeah. That's giving them a lot of credit, but that's the only that that squares it a little bit. And then I wonder if Davos is going to discover where Shireen's pyre was, because I don't know that Davos knows that necessarily that Shireen was burned to death at this point. Uh, he definitely doesn't know that, because I feel yeah. like he would have murdered Melisandre, and they teased that earlier. By the way, we don't know where Melisandre was. I thought she was with them. As she is I with ha- them, she's laying back in the cut, or maybe she's off uh, filming an episode of, uh, I don't know, Girls or something. Because she's nowhere to be seen. So if, but this would be a great situation. You're also right. If we, if she, if Davos learns about the funeral pyre, or somebody tells him, which nobody in the damning. army, I don't think would know. Right? Who, I, who I there know. would know? He would stumble across uh, the pyre. Oh, in the like little, little, uh, little carved toy or whatever. Carved toy, yeah, the yeah. the the stag or whatever it is. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know. Well, what. there's definitely uh, there's definitely going to be a confrontation between Davos and Melisandre, or else they wouldn't have brought it up in that one scene where yeah. Brienne interrupts. So right. So Davos runs off to uh, break up a fight between a wildling and a northerner, and John and Sansa start discussing Sansa. Or discussing um, Davos and uh, uh, Stance is insistent that they need more men, but John says no, they have to do it now for whatever reason. I'm not sure that I understand entirely what John's sense of urgency is. I don't see. I don't. I don't see it either. I mean, th- yes, the White Walkers are coming, but I don't know if we have a timetable for when that's going to happen. So, other than he, maybe he thinks I don't know where I'm going to get anyone or any other soldiers. So why not? Fuck it, we'll do it live. I guess, but that's just a terrible decision. Absolutely. <laughs> that's just Absolutely. a terrible, like, oh, I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. Let's just do it. Uh, yes. You know, it's not going to, uh, that's just never a good plan. So so then we cut to Sansa writing a note. Yeah, yeah, because uh, she, no, she looks over, she sees the raven, she says, hey, I can do something about this. And that's where we <laughs> see Lady Mormont, the fucking 12-year-old girl, somehow is in this battle fucking camp. She didn't need to be there. Damn, um, I'm disappointed I didn't see her. Go back and no, don't bother watching it. But oh, um, I'm watch it again. Yeah, watch that's fine. But I, I confirmed that she was there. She was there for a second. I'm like, why is the fuck is she there? Yeah. But yeah, all we see is her writing a letter. She, well, you know why? Why? She's king shit of fuck mountain. That's why. <laughs> she is queen shit of fuck mountain. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, and no, we are not implying that a ten year old fucks. It's a uh, it's a reference to a Mister Show. I'm implying that it's fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's a diff- different times. Okay, so um, so yeah, she's writing a letter, and all we see is her sign her name. That's all we can distinguish, and seal it with the dire wolf 
Well, uh, no, she doesn't. She puts it on the inside, which leads me to believe she doesn't know how it works, how seals work. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You definitely put the seal on the outside. Yes. Uh, but whatever. Uh, so uh, there's no way she's not writing Littlefinger, right? I don't know what else it could be. The only other person you, I could think of. Ramsey, take would, me back. Yeah, <laughs> I did a bad thing. I, I know there's good in you. Yeah. Other people tell me that you're no good, but I don't believe them. I can change you. I can change you. <laughs> no, uh, the only other person I could think of was uh, Lady Bran, but I don't know if that would make any sense. Yeah, and, and she knows about the Blackfish, but the Blackfish is now besieged, so even if she writes her, what's going to happen? Or he, yeah. she writes him, what's going to happen? It's got to be a little finger. I don't yeah, think there's any way that's not, but I agree. that raises so many questions. Why isn't she being honest with Jon Snow? Yeah, she's hiding it again. I don't know. I mean, uh, ladies got to have secrets, but I don't know why she wouldn't tell him other than Jon Snow might forbid it or argue against her. Right, and they I guess they're leading to believe us to believe that that one scene with Littlefinger, how she he put the shred of doubt that can you really trust the guy that's only your half brother? And that didn't seem very convincing at the time and it still doesn't now for why she's keeping things from him. Um, but that's the only explanation we've been given, I feel. Yeah, the only other thing that I can think of is that she's concerned that if he's too involved, that he will be the king instead of her being the queen. And that just doesn't seem right. I feel like I don't see Stanza's, Stanza uh, if she only got married to Stannis. I don't see Stanza of having a desire for the Iron cr- uh, Throne or even to be head of Winterfell. I mean, she's definitely going to inherit Winterfell, and they're part of, they have this really coming together moment. I don't see any reason for them to doubt each other or mistrust each other. I don't no, either, don't. but the, I mean, I think she continues to distrust or at least not be completely honest with John. Right, but there's then, no then, explanation. Absolutely. And then to, to keep going down this rabbit hole, not too far, but. Now we've got now that uh, Littlefinger's coming back in. Littlefinger clearly planted the seed, and so now you have to be worried what Littlefinger is going to be up to once yeah. he gets the thing. I mean, him and 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 well, well once again, Sweet like, Robin, yeah, Sweet Robin, that that cunning oh motherfucker. Yeah, I, I I said before, if Sansa when she stood up to Littlefinger, if she really wanted to stand up for, to him, she would beat him at his own game. Yeah, meaning use him. Like he's trying to use her. Right. Use him to kill, you know, to, to decimate the Boltons, get him out of Winterfell, and then betray him. Right. That right. seems a lot more uh, fitting uh, and, I don't know, rewarding. But then what does she do with the, the walking date rape that is, uh, this is Sweet Robin? <laughs> I don't know. She poisons him. <laughs> Good enough. Kills him. That's how his daddy went, so why not? Okay, uh, and then we go back to the hippie commune. Jonestown uh, in the Shire, and Swearingen's given his uh, sermon uh, about cowardice, about violence, how he was a soldier, but a coward, and he killed people, and felt bad about it, and he gives this whole long-winded speech about how you can't change the past, you can only affect the future. Some bandits roll up, or like some guys, three dudes roll up and basically threaten the hippies and drop the Lord of Light uh, words be careful, the night is dark and full of terrors. The, um, I mean, aren't these supposed to be the Brotherhood without banners? Yeah, and but and Sandor mentions that later. He said he confirms yeah. that later. He goes, uh, according to Sandor, that's who they are. Um, 
which for it's been a while, but been a while. It's been a while. Uh, so those were the people who caught Hot Pie Gendry and and Aria wandering around, and that was uh, Beric Dan- Dandarian. Remember, they sold Gendry to the Red Woman, and uh, what? Yeah, yeah Beric actually fought the Hound, and the Hound won. Yeah, it's been quite a bit, but we do remember seeing the Brotherhood. Um, and, and no, and I, I only bring that up because you and I are a lot further into it. I'm sure there were people who heard Brotherhood without banners and had no yeah. clue what that we were talking about so doctors without banners are, are a thing where it's remnants of um beric don darian was sent out by ned stark to basically rein in uh gregor clegane because Re- gregor clegane was out murdering shit and um ned got killed and these guys didn't know what to do if we were at the king's landing they'd probably be prosecuted by the lannisters who are the ruling party now um, as traders, so they decided to defend the people. Um, but you know, this leads into a conversation that we'll have when we get to the 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 scene after the next scene, where we revisit uh, this situation. But essentially, uh, Sanders just chopping wood. His answer to everything is just chopping wood, uh, and he's chopping wood. And Swearingen comes around and says, "Well, you know, what can we do? What are we going to fight? I can't fight. I'm over it. Um, basically, do you want to get drunk tonight?" <laughs> yeah, which Jesus, uh, if, if he should know as, as well, Swearingen should know as well as the Hound that those guys are going to come back and kill everything unless right. they do something. And so he can pe- he can preach this passive bullshit, but these clowns just sit this hippie commune out in the middle of the field. They're going to get slaughtered. I don't know. It, I mean, it's stu- it, the, the, I mean, the, Sandor knew it too, um, and I think he just didn't want to believe it. I guess. But I found it really suspect that, you know, he's chopping wood, uh, in at least in this scene, within earshot of other people. Like, you hear other people talking, so... Angrily. Yeah, I guess. So you see other people, like, he's close by, and his answer... So Sandor's kind of ignoring it, too, by just chopping wood. Yes. Um, and being angry about it. Uh, and that's all that happens in this scene. You know, yes. it's basically setting up for what you knew was going to happen, but... I was frustrated on how quick this happened. I, I really, really am, but I'll rant about it later. Right. So then the next thing we go to Aria strolling around Bravos. Oh, Jesus. And this was really silly. Uh, it really hurt my head. Yeah. And my yeah. Heart. So, and you know, what was funny I noticed is um, in one of the scenes where in the Marine, one of the first scenes with Tyrion and Varys, Varys remarks about how Tyrion walks around with his arms behind his back like a rich person walks around a city. And you yeah. saw Arya doing that initially in the scene, and she goes up to some uh, grizzled mariners and tries to book passage. Yeah, and if you notice, she doesn't. She isn't wearing her hair and the stupid braids right in front of her temples, like yes. that's the bravos, and she's not wearing bravosi clothing. She's wearing Westeros clothes, and she has her hair back like Ned Stark, like she's a northerner. So she's pres- resumed her uh, Arya Stark. Uh, identity, but it's a bad move. I mean, you stand out like a sore thumb. Like, oh, it wears needle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yes, just a, yeah. a bad move, and she's all, she's throwing bags of money around. Yeah, she's cocksure, and she's really confident. So, yeah, she. And we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get to this in a second. Okay. So after she supposedly books passage in a cabin, she keeps strutting around, and she goes up on a bridge, 
is uh, and she stops by... to spell. No, she stops to like smell the roses and go. Okay, things are finally yeah. looking up. Hey, that's <laughs> a cool statue. Everything's yeah. coming up, Millhouse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So then she's approached by what looked like a combination of the Wicked Witch and Priat Pri. <laughs> Jesus. And everybody knew, everybody at home, I can't be the only one. I know you were, but I got to think the listeners, you knew this was the fucking, uh, you know, evil bitch. Hey, yeah. <laughs> the way. Immediately. Yeah. yeah there wasn't it's even a- any, and you knew that she should be on the lookout. Anybody that says hello to her, initially, you should be on your guard and being like, what the fuck? So and we're we're gonna get to that. Okay. Just give it a second. Let's okay. just finish out this portion of the scene. So the wave shanks her prison yard style, rakes her across the gut, yep. and then turns around and does some like backward shanks. You know the quick, <laughs> yeah, quick, yeah, and yeah. then leaves it in and twists it. Yes, yes, but she doesn't double tap, so Aria is able to jump off the bridge, but not before she takes off her face to gloat. I guess. Yes. Like yes. we needed that confirmation right then. We couldn't have an old lady stab her and and uh, after Arya jumps, in, you know, gets away, have her take off the face. Then it was just dumb. Yeah, and then so Arya, uh, after a couple of minutes, I guess, of being submerged, emerges from the water. Um, she's stumbling around the downtown um, downtown Bravos, and it's just like the bum fights. You know, yeah, people nobody nobody in Bravos gives a shit. Like you think yeah. it's hard being homeless in America. You should go to fucking Bravos. They, yes. they don't care. You could be bleeding out the gut, getting beat up while being blind. Uh, nobody cares. So, all of these things that we've said, w- there's a there's a twist to this. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a twist to this. I was hoping there was. Like initially, when she got stabbed, I was like, okay, wait a minute, what's happening? This is dumb. Like I the, want the- I want Arya to somehow have taken off her face and put it on some other girl. <laughs> <laughs> that was my initial thought and yeah, i'm like yeah, no that's wave, not so the wave stabbing the wave <laughs> yes yeah. so yeah i don't know i just i just wanted it to not be true because we know Arya's is not gonna die so yeah. it just what's she gonna do what do you think's gonna happen i, I don't care so, uh, let me let me right. a couple things first right. um uh sexy jesus said and I don't think we referred to him that. The internet refers we to We can Jack refer to him as sexy, sexy Jesus. Jesus. Sexy ginger Jesus. Yeah. So he, remember, remember, his instruction to the waif was, make sure the death is painless. Uh, uh, stabbing to the gut is probably the most painful gut. Or painful yeah, and it can take forever, too. You can, get, yes. you can get gut shot in the Old West and take, you know, weeks to die. No question. So we know that, that, uh, that the waif was disobeying sexy Jesus' direction Almost as far as she'd go in the other way because she had this personal vendetta. Right. And since the last time that we did the, we discussed this relationship, um, I've read some, uh, some people think that uh, the waif is almost like a, um, like a senior in high school, whereas Aria was a freshman. No, this is, we talked about this last episode. I think she's a trainee as well. She's just been there a lot longer. And I feel like this is both of their final exams. And I feel like the waif is blowing it by getting all uh, personally invested in wanting to hurt Arya. Right. So, th- so th- one of the potential scenarios is that this is not Arya. This is actually sexy Jesus or some kind of incarnation form of him to test the waif as like her final exam. This is her thesis. Okay, I um, don't buy that. So no, I, I don't know. I don't either. But b- beyond the fact that the waif is clearly. Uh, I mean, like, obviously disobeying his instructions. The other thing that really struck me is that Arya knows how dangerous the waif is. 
I yeah. mean, the end, the, the last episode where we saw her holding a needle and and sitting down and blowing out the candle. I mean, she knows how how much shit. Yeah, she's she was in right hiding. Now. It seems very yeah. odd that she's strutting around and without needle. Yeah, throwing yeah. cash. You're right. It, yeah. it seems very odd, but at the same time, like uh, the way it, it, I guess, but like even if that if that comes to pass, like it's not Arya, it's somebody else posing as Arya. Is that gonna feel fulfilling? Like I feel like it's not good. Like it's not enjoyable. What's what's happening now? I, I don't know. I'm not sure because I don't know what's gonna happen. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll we'll go back and revisit this. But I I would yeah. Thought- and then we also know from a preview that. We've seen Arya like leaping, leaping off a building and running yeah, like, like crazy. Assassin's yeah. Creed and shit. Yeah, if you if you've got like if you've been shaked in the gut, you're not jumping from one roof to another. Yeah, you're not thinking, oh, I played Mirror's Edge. Let me see if I can jump this building exactly. into another one. It's just not exactly. something you're gonna do. Uh, so so there, yeah, something there, I will say that yeah, something is up, but I don't. There I don't are have shenanigans a of, afoot. I just don't know what they are. Right, and I don't have a lot of faith that it it'll be resolved. It just left me with a weird sour taste in my mouth when I was just like. I don't know what's happening, but I really don't care. I just want. I got excited. Much that like Ari most was, of your, uh, for, much, much like most of your Saturday nights in college. Yep, of course. Don't weird dust the taste in your mouth, and you don't know what's going on. Yep. 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 That's probably a natty. Look. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> no, but no, but okay. So, uh, so she's yeah. So we leave Aria, quote unquote, <laughs> Aria, wandering somewhere around the city, bleeding out of her fucking guts. Um... I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't. I'm. But like I said, she's gonna. She's gonna live. Regardless well, she's of, gonna live, and that's why yeah. I think this is all pointless. Um, and I don't. I no. don't feel. I don't feel. Game of Thrones. They have pointless scenes. Uh, no. Terrible storytelling. Oh no. man. <laughs> all right. So speaking of lazy storytelling, <laughs> we go back to hippie hippie corner, and uh, Clegane's out there. Um, chopping wood and they i guess want to build a sep because there's seven sides to the building but i guess the hound wants to build a cathedral because he just can't stop chopping wood for this fucking place why is he chopping uh, well, so much goddamn wood earlier uh i think it was in like the beginning scenes of the episode he mentioned it was supposed to be a cold night uh remember uh swearingen was going to save a bowl of soup for him yeah, cold night, so we, we need to have enough wood to burn a small child and, and for the red god, I guess. So they're just, they're, he's just chopping away for, in order for the scene to make sense, hours. And he takes a break to drink some water or whatever, maybe a, you know, a Coors Light, a cool, frosty one. Here's a single scream in the... Di- Wait, you think, you think the hound wants to tap the Rockies? <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like he loves a silver bullet. It goes down yeah. smooth. But well, uh, the, the can was the mountains appeared on the can <laughs> on, on the uh, on the canteen. Uh, whatever. So he's taking a break. He hears a single scream in the distance, and then on his trip back, he gets to the town and sees that everyone is murdered, slaughtered, women, children, uh, everybody's dead. And the coup de gras is Swearingen is hanging from the middle of the sept. Um, and he stares at him for a while and then grabs the axe and walks off, leading to believe that, no, he's not a pacifist after all. He is looking for blood and he's going, he's going back to violence. I just want to say, uh, of course, I thought this scene was really sloppy. 
and I did want to introduce the segment I want to I want to start to introduce. Let's make it better. So I have a simple way that this could have been better. <laughs> Swearingen could have casually mentioned in the scene before that you're getting pretty far away from the camp. You know, chop the wood and come on back, buddy. And he's like, oh, the better wood's out here. All he needed to say to get him further away. Number two, he doesn't have to have this like, oh, he hears a scream. And then by the time he gets to where the screaming was, the guys are gone. Because presumably the guys who killed all these people to ransack uh, and take their food, take their steel. They're going to be looking for stuff. If there's somebody still alive, then I imagine the, the countdown for like the pillaging starts then. And they're going to take their time looking for shit. So, just have him out there chopping wood and coming back, you know, at the end of the day going, oh, it's getting late, let me go back. And then he can just come around the corner, see one dead body, and then we see his face, and maybe his facial expression changes. I don't know, I just think I could have made this scene better, and I'm a fucking idiot. So, do you have any problems with that? No, I agree. I thought this was a really stupid scene. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, it was just themed rushed. Like, they they want to get Clegane killing people again. Which is and, fine. And from a from a larger perspective, what you had here was, I mean, a, a significant chunk of this episode dedicated towards, hey, now the hound wants to go kill shit again. I didn't need twenty minutes to know that. I fucking agree. Like if if you're gonna sell me on the hound wanting to be a good person, you need to spend time. You need to make, spend time to make that happen and make me kind of believe it. That's what I meant about him getting into a conflict with uh, another person and showing him choose peace instead of violence. That would yes. have shown him making like actual his character changing. But but we get no character change. Fifteen, it's fifteen minutes of the episode. So that now that we know the hounds in beast mode, and that's right. it. And that's yeah. it. And we've ruined uh, Swearingen. It's a waste. I would have loved to have seen him on the screen a little bit more. Oh, that's um, all tits and dragons um, <laughs> so tits and dragons yeah but the okay a couple things that that could that are positive i think or could be positive is what if now the hound based on him grabbing that axe now he's just a straight axe murderer <laughs> are you uh You're to, you that. might get the whirly bird with an axe <laughs> no <laughs> with two axes <laughs> No, 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 I wasn't going there, but uh, I think you're two steps ahead of me. It would be funny if now he's like a Freddy Krueger axe murderer. Well, he already kind of looks like, um, what's the WWE wrestler? (laughs) The one with the hand puppet, the sock puppet. Mankind. He already looks like Mankind anyway. Yes or no? A thinner Mankind, but Mankind. I don't know enough about Mankind. I don't know anything about Mankind besides it kind of looks like him, wears the thing over his face. And he talks to a sock puppet. Regardless, uh, yeah, I guess... Be- you, are you thinking of Syphil and Ollie? No, there's a wrestler, Mankind. You know, he's got fucked up mouth. He has horrible facial hair. <laughs> kind of looks a lot like... Now the- you're thinking of the Phantom of the Opera. Anyway, so uh, the Hound doesn't have any of his armor, doesn't have any steel. Um, and I want to talk about the, the people that killed the... Um, yes. The murdered... So, presumably, this if this is the Brotherhood, which we don't know for sure that it is, I think Sandor just assuming that because of the Lord of Light uh, dropping reference, if this really is the Brotherhood, the Brotherhood didn't do this kind of really nasty shit before. Well. Well, if well, they got a new leader. Well. <laughs> so, I think I've never been more convinced that we could get Lady Stoneheart in the show until this scene. Um, yes. 
You agree, right? Yes, because if this is if the if this is what the Brotherhood without banners is up to these days, just murdering shit. Yes, because what you have here is the Lannisters are now uh, following the Seven, and these people are proselytizers of the Seven, ostensibly. Lady Stoneheart would just say, fucking kill them because they follow the same religion as the Lannisters. That's I, enough. I guess. I just, think it's, I, I just think it's showing that Lady Stoneheart, who, for those of you who are show watchers only and you're listening to this, shame on you. Uh, but Lady Stoneheart is the reanimated corpse of, um, uh, God, what is her name? Caitlin. Caitlin Stark. Catelyn Stark. So uh, basically, and she who, takes and who is she? She's she who's she the wife to, and who's she the mother to? <laughs> well, basically, in relation to the 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 male character, she's oh, Rob Stark's Page mother. Verky. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but basically, she they find her corpse, uh, you know, in the river where the phrase dumped her, and uh, Beric or Thoris Amir transfers the magic, the resurrection magic, into her. And she's brought back, but she's been a corpse for like a week, and she's bloated. She has she tore her eyeballs out. Um, she's just a whore. And All she, she says the entire time is, "Somebody killed me." <laughs> Basically, she's just driven by revenge, and she turns the Brotherhood, uh, the Doctors Without Banners uh, group, into like just murderers, and they don't stand for anything but just killing people. And that's the no- revenge. Yeah, it's just about revenge. They don't care who gets in their way. Um, and I think that must be what's happening here. Yes, and even further along that lines, I think that they found her in the Riverlands, which is where half the fucking people are now. Right, so I feel like she, I hope, and this was something that people were hoping for the end of season four, I hope she is the like uh, reveal at the end of the season, like the last thing we see before, we, before the season's done. <laughs> she whips off her hood and says... Somebody kill me. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a way to go out. With her with her throat mouth. <laughs> yeah. She was slit open from her mouth. Yeah. Her throat. <laughs> She's speaking through yeah. one of those uh, cancer neck tubes. Don't smoke, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if they do reveal her, because she's supposed to be pretty busted up. I mean, a week dead, you know, in the books. Um, I, I, that'll be interesting to see how they portray her, if they do. Again, yeah, and I don't know what her role is even in the books. Besides, she's the the leader of this. I don't know if she's going to interact with the other characters or what. How she's going to form up. I thought her resurrection was just another um, prequel to John's ultimate resurrection because Lady Stoneheart's been resurrected in the books, and it was prior to John being brought back. So I thought it was just another illustration of that, and yes. how it's probably not a good idea to resurrect everybody. Um, but I, but I, I don't know what her role is. In that she's out harassing. The Lannister's phrase, primarily. Killing, the phrase, and yeah. Yeah, and Lannisters. Yeah. I mean, that's that doesn't have to be a primary story. That can just be a secondary story. Yeah, that's what I was seeing yeah. it as the books. Like, it was just this thing that's happening in the background that's just, like, part of the, uh, you know, uh, unforeseen consequence of these these actions that people have taken. Just, yes. you know. Um, so I, I'm so all about it. I hope, I hope she comes back. I hope it's, I hope this, this show gets even more fantasy and crazy. I really do. Santa, it's me, your mother. <laughs> Santa, it's me, your mother. <laughs> I talk oh. like this now because I lost my throat tooth. <laughs> Afraid. Afraid. <laughs> all right. All right. So that's how the, that's how the, uh, show ends. 
I'm going to go ahead and give my rating because you don't do it. Um, so I'm going to give this a 3.0. I feel like it could have been a 4 or 4.5 at, at times, but I feel like at the end with the Arya thing pissed me off, the mishandling of Hippie Town, and to a lesser extent, uh, you know, uh, the Volantis scene that wasn't called for and uh, the how we left the start camp. Um, yeah, I just think 3.0, I really liked it. It was a lot of good things, but uh, it just it just didn't end strong, and I have to fault it for that. So, Yeah, I think I, think I agree with you. I mean, there were a lot of highlights. I, I liked the Bear Island a lot. Um, I thought the recruiting trip was interesting. The Queen of Thorns. That Queen of scene, Thorns, yeah. Knocked all out of those the things were awesome, yeah. Other than we didn't get to see the Mountain Smash, which we're, I hope... Yeah, we're, we're, we're was, coming. We're coming with that, so... Aria thing was a turd sandwich. Um, and uh, uh, the the hippie Jonestown, Renfair Jonestown, it just... It, it's, it didn't hit. It no, it didn't. It was a swing and a miss. And, and you're right. Only, because they, they, put, they contributed so much time to it, I feel like it just... It, it ruined the show. It didn't ruin the show, but it definitely hurt the show. How much, how much running time was contributed to that storyline and didn't work. Yes, and the only thing that saved that was Ian McShane. But at the same time, even if he saved those scenes, hey, you know what? You just wasted Ian McShane. Right. You know, he's had him there for what? If the only thing that he's doing is may propping up these stupid scenes. And- I would say the only thing we get from that whole experience is that the hound is back and you accomplished that within the first three minutes of the episode, two minutes of the episode. You could have done any, it could have been a line of exposition. The The hound is still alive and now he's on a tear. That's it. Right. I mean, or could you could any- have that reveal. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't know, we could have cut, we could have cut out everything in the middle, except maybe that the, to get to the Clegane bowl might make sense. Except no, it doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense because no, I the feel same religion as as Cersei. R- well, not even that. Like, no, 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 no. He is part. Okay, so so the face the faith of the seven is what the High Sparrow is all about, and they need a champion. So for Clegane Bowl, and by the way, Clegane Bowl is the ultimate showdown between Gregor Sir Robert Strong, the reanimated corpse of the Mountain, to fight his brother Sandor Clegane, which has been theorized, prophesized, and basically a wet dream of every book reader for years now. Looks like it might very well happen, but it doesn't make any sense. When they when he got brought back, I was like, okay, Clegane Bowl is definitely happening because he's with the Seven and he's going to be like their champion. But now I feel like he's not going to be... He doesn't seem like he's going to be a warrior for the faith. It seems like he's going to be nihilistic and just a murderer, Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was trying to pack that while we were talking. I mean, he, now he is. I guess he follows the seven, but I don't know that he really does follow the seven. Yeah, we got nothing yeah. to to lead me to believe that he was penitent. Even if he was looking for peace, there was nothing to show that he was religious. Like he so was the, just hanging out with these hippies for the the weed and for like the relaxing times and the the, the hippie pussy, the pussy. So no, I, I guess the only I mean, really the Clegane Bowl could have just been fueled by I hate my goddamn brother. Uh, you know? Which once again, this these people are not good enough with leaving like regular motivations. They need new in your fucking face motivations. Yeah. Like this yeah. is a motivation for Sander to go kill people. Like he didn't need one to begin with, or kill it, or go fight his brother. Because his brother is the one who burned his goddamn face off. That's the reason why he looks half of Freddy Krueger for Christ's sake. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's one of these things where like they're 
they're not satisfied with the existing motivations for these characters. This is why, you know, Marin Trant had to be a child molester. This is why Walter Frey in the last episode is a child molester. <laughs> basically, basically you just need, they, they just have new ways to like get you to hate the people that are about to die. So you feel good about wanting them to die, I guess. I don't know. It's, it just seems ridiculous. I, I, I really feel like they blew a, a, a chance to have a great episode here. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was, it was definitely an entertaining episode. I yeah, will never argue that. Absolutely. But, but uh, it seemed like they blew some opportunities. So, uh, whew, rating is tough. I can't, uh, I you know, you, with the rating. Just give it a, you don't, you don't abide by the rating anyway, so just call it a... Uh, okay, I'm going to give a man. hamburger sandwich. Hamburger sandwich? Hamburger sandwich is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it's at least two tiers up from a uh, shit sandwich or a turd sandwich. So I'm gonna say it's a four. That's pretty high. Good job. All right. Oh, you were so close. Oh, what would you say? Three point five. I said hamburger sandwich. I don't fuck you. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, I would have given. I probably would have given it a three point five. Well, okay, there you go. We're out uh, of five hamburger sandwiches. Okay, I had three point oh, three point five. Pretty close. Gives you an average of uh, oh, three. Somewhere in between there. So going on next week. What's that on a ten? <laughs> yes, out of ten. No, right, what is that out of ten? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Moving on, uh, we see Isn't the this previous. To be fun? Yeah, no, this is not supposed to be fun. This is work. Um, this show is all work for us. Um, so next week we see finally Robert Strong smash. We start with Cersei uh, in the line that's been teased since the beginning of uh, the season. Uh, I choose violence uh, yes. when she's coming up against the group of church bullies. Is what I'm going to refer to them as. That was a terrible breakup between Cersei and him. Who? Oh yeah, the the Lancel. Or Lancel, yeah, Lancel, yeah. Yeah, it didn't go well, and uh, then we get Brienne in uh, River Run. That's meeting what happens Jamie. when you, when you screw your cousins. <laughs> I'm not gonna elaborate. I'm just no, 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 no. Okay, not from firsthand experience. No, 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 no. Okay, so uh, yeah, Bri- Brienne meets Jamie, and we know how close they were to hooking up before, so it might happen. Um. But uh, she tells Jamie that she might have to fight him or kill him or something. I don't know. Some nonsense. Well, if she can't convince the Blackfish to surrender, then she has to fight Jamie because the agreement was that Jamie would bring back Arya, Arya and Sansa, and he didn't. She he didn't do that. So then, presumably, he should be taken back into custody because he's not fulfilled his end of the bargain. Regardless, I feel like uh, instead of. Uh, Jamie finding a peaceable solution to the situation like he does in the books, it's uh, up to Brienne to find a peaceable solution because she's talking to both parties. We see her talking to Blackfish. We see her talking to Jamie. I mean, that, that's what it looks like. Right. And yeah. uh, once again, it's undermining Jamie's character. Jamie even says, I'll kill every Tully in the world in order to get back so to Cersei. My sister. And so I can get back and fuck that sweet sister Poon. Uh, sister Pussy. And make ten more Tommins. Um so it just seems out of character for Jamie, but I've been railing against that too much, so I'm gonna uh, oversee that or just go past that. But then we get this barrage of flashes, and I didn't I, I didn't have to go frame by frame. I just paused it a little bit. So here we go. I'm gonna go through them. You can stop me if you want to elaborate on any of these. So the first thing we see is the black. Well, it, oh. Before oh, you get uh, there, uh, we did uh, see Cersei uh, rolling through the throne room. With uh, Robert Strong, 
Well, we saw her confront the church bullies. Yes, and then we also saw her walking through the throne room. That's later. That's in the series of flashes. Uh, okay. Okay, so a series of flashes start with the Blackfish drawing a sword uh, in, like, I don't know, a hallway of a castle with Brienne standing there. I don't know if he's looking to fight, but I presume that she's trying to get him out of uh, River Run because in the books, he does, they do take the castle, but the Blackfish escapes, and I think that Brienne's going to help him escape. And we do see Brienne in a boat uh, at night as well, so I think that's part of it. Um, we see the waif looking at something or somebody very quickly. Nothing yes. there. Besides, we're going to go back to Bravos next week. Uh, the hound's about to take some dude's head off with an axe. So mm-hmm. we get the axe murderer that uh, you wanted, Brian. So congratulations. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Podrick is taken in a chokehold by presumably Braun. Looks like he Braun. He gets put the full Nelson. Full Nelson. Uh, but it looks like Braun, so I don't know what that's about. No idea. Maybe it seems like it's going to allude to nothing. It's He's going to get a noogie next. I think maybe, so. Maybe an Indian rope burn. And Braun's going to ask him for sex advice. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Arya's... You know Podrick Fox. Yeah, you know, straight up. Uh, Arya's story continues somehow. Um, she runs along the roof later, but we got Brazier. Brienne in a boat at night. Um, we got Cersei walking through the throne room, and then she looks really pleased. She gets this really big smile on her face. Uh, so I don't know what she has to be happy about. What do you think that could be? I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't know. We know that um, Robert Strong's going to smash. Uh, I mean, unless he just murdered all the Faith Melted who came at him. There's, I mean, it may he may be able to murder a few people, but I think they're right when they say that uh, he can't take them all on. Yes. So, you know, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing him hurt people. But that's just me. Yeah, you like the bad guys. You know, some, I like to watch the bad guys. You need a good bad guy to make a good story. So, Sure. Like you used to love uh, Ted Kaczynski. And- <laughs> yeah, great bad guy. <laughs> Pol Pot. I mean, what are you going to do? Those newspapers are awfully boring nowadays. Yeah, so I don't have a bad exactly. guy. So uh, then we, we cut to Tyrion. Briefly, and he just looks up at a brazier or that's like a chandelier that looks like it catches fire by itself, which is either going to be a dragon, which I doubt, more likely a uh, the Red Priestess doing fire tricks to like entertain at a dinner. But it looks really inconsequential, so I don't know what's going on there. But we are going to go back it. to Marine next week. Um, are you running a lot, being not dead, and not really showing any signs that she's been gut stabbed, and she jumps off a building? Um, so once again, there's no real, real, I don't know, um, tension there as to whether she'll survive. I mean, uh, she's going to survive. Right. You know, so there's no, no fear there. And then Robert Strong just walks up to uh, a church bully on the ground and he takes his head in his hand, presumably to rip his fucking head off. Like, uh, you know, like tearing the tab off an old school predator uh, style. Predator style, but, yeah, yeah. yeah I imagine the spinal cord, Sub Zero style. The spine is gonna definitely coming yeah. out. Um, but at Should least there, it looks like there's a lot of action, a lot of conflict. Looks like the episode could be pretty good. I think so. I think I agree with you. Um, did you watch the behind the show? Uh yeah, but I didn't pay. I mean, I didn't bring anything. I didn't write any notes about it. So, um, yeah, I, I, this 
how long has they been doing the behind the shows now? I, I don't remember because I don't think I've been watching them uh, religiously until um, we've started doing this podcast. So I don't know if right. they existed before. Uh, I felt no need to watch them in the past. No, this uh, this episode was really short. And I've read that people say online that uh, some some it, and this makes almost no sense whatsoever that they the last couple episodes of this season are going to be a lot longer. Like one of them is going to be 70 minutes. One is going to be 60 minutes actual runtime. But they've been, it seems like they the actual episodes right now have been clocking in like under 50 minutes. And right, with, especially we talked these, about this with all the yeah. promos and the next week's and on. These and these dipshits the, talking. I mean, there, there have been so little things that they've said during these behind-the-scene things. And these behind-the-scene things, it might as well just be the two of them jerking each other off. Right. I don't, I mean, it's terrible. And it's them defending their actions. Like, uh, it, it was a scene when, uh, when, when they burned Shireen, the, you know, Stannis' daughter alive. They made sure in the afterwards for that, going, man, we were really shocked when George R.R. R. Martin says this happens in the book, kind of like justifying it. And they said the same thing when uh, Hodor died. So, uh, yeah, it seems they're, like they're, they're doing a 69 on screen. <laughs> They're so pleased with themselves. <laughs> I love, yeah. They they just think they're full of themselves. I don't yeah. know. I mean, they're they're king shit of fuck mountain uh, themselves. I mean, think about it. They, I don't know what they did before this, but they, you know, basically produced one of the best or the most uh, popular shows, I guess, of all time. I especially for a cable show. I mean, well, Benioff sure. wrote that uh, the book that became the movie, The Twenty Fifth Hour, with Edward Norton. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. Is that the one where he turns into a Hulk, or is that the one where he's a skinhead? Uh, no, it's the one where he's really good at poker. Okay, no, so don't know anything about that shit. The Twenty Fifth Hour was where he was. Uh, is a, a short story, or not a short story? It was a novel where it's a guy. The guy's about to go to prison after being a drug dealer, and it just was a lot. Of, it was you know, it was a lot like this. A lot of circle jerkery. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyways. So one of the things I took away from this episode is, is I'm kind of pissed off that we still don't know what's happened to Rick and, and uh, Shaggy Dog. Yeah, but I, I took that as a blessing and a curse because I, I, I wanted to say about this episode and I forgot. We've got no Danny plus. We've got no Dorn double plus, And we get no Ramsey because Ramsey just seems like he wins at every turn. So I feel like this was a big uh, plus for avoiding people that have made me angry. Uh, but you're right. We haven't addressed the Rickon thing at all. Um, but I imagine it's just going to be an orgy the last couple of episodes. Like, uh, uh, usually episode 10 is like, you know, uh, setting the table for the next season. We usually get one shocking moment in episode 10. But, yeah, you're right. Like, 8 and 9 are usually the big ones, right? Yes, absolutely. So, hopefully we'll get some resolution uh, to what's going on. I think it's going to be all episode 9 for the most part. Um, because next episode looks like things are going to happen, but nothing like huge. So we're not going to get, you know, bastard bowl next week or click bowl next week. So, yeah, I think I agree with you on there. So, all right. All any, right. any last, uh, thoughts? No, no party shots. Okay. So this is Doug and for Brian, uh, this is saying, see you next Tuesday. You know what that means. We we'll did. see you next week. We'll see you next week for episode eight, guys. Take care. You're so clever. I'm sorry. Bye.